welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine. Hello and welcome to this additional edition of the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, with me, David Oram. And today I'm joined by my good friend Aruna Amethana Yagam, who is uh, my dedicated uh, expert on all uh, cricket matters Sri Lankan, uh, as his... Uh, uh, a dedicated fan of them, uh, hailing from those parts. Uh, a few weeks ago, he and I chatted ahead of the tour of Sri Lanka by the West Indies, and I predicted dark things for the West Indies, and then Aruna wasn't quite so positive about Sri Lanka's prospects, but uh, I think he has the biggest smile on his face uh, today. Uh, Aruna, thank you ever so much for joining me. Oh, great to be back with you again, David, and uh, I look forward to... Uh... To our chat about the series. <laughs> well, um, the only silver lining for West Indies was uh, a victory in the very last game, the last 2020 match. Um, but I think we'll we'll start at the other end with the, with with the two Test matches. Um, yeah, I, I, I confess the the games really panned out as I sort of expected them to do so. Um, but what was your take on them? Yeah, I think in our chat before the series, you know, I felt that um, that the West Indies would have some problems in the in the Test series, and uh, but would fare better in the shorter formats. Hmm. And I felt, you know, that the that the T Twenty format, you know, is the West Indies' strongest suit. And um, I think I was proved right. In fact, the T Twenty series was definitely the most competitive. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, ended up uh, with the West Indies squaring it one one. But starting with the test series, I think it went pretty much according to to, to plan. I mean, the mm. um, the wickets were certainly very spin friendly, which suited uh, Sri Lanka's uh, superior, you know, spinning uh, strengths. With uh, Herat, of course, being the most experienced, but yeah. we also saw um, you know one Pereira bowl quite well in the second test, and overall, uh, I think uh, you know, in terms of spin, uh, spin bowling. Sri Lanka held the aces. Although I must say there were some pretty decent performances from the West Indies as well. I mean, I think Jomel Warrigan was one of the few bright spots. Uh, you know, getting I think six wickets in the in the second test, and then of course uh, Greg Brathwaite produced amazing <laughs> <laughs> six wicket uh, spell, yes. which is somewhat of a freak. But uh, no. anyway, I, spin bowlers certainly dominated the the series. So I, I think uh, for Sri Lanka, Herat was clearly the standout. Yeah. Um, you know, he's threatening to retire early next year, but I suspect that no. Sri Lanka would like him to, to carry on for some more time. <laughs> uh, but, you know, particularly in, in Gaul, where he, uh, you know, I think he got 10 wickets in the, in the match there. Uh, mm. And, you know, really was the key to, to Sri Lanka's victory. Um, uh, on the bowling side, I think Damika Prasad also had a good series. Mm. He um, has been fairly consistent. I mean, Sri Lanka has not really had. Um, you know, steady, fast bowling since the days of Chamin Davas. You know, you've had quite a few players come in and out of the side and perform yeah. reasonably well. But Prasad seems to be the most consistent since uh, since Chamin Davas's time, and 
he had a good series. I think he did nine wickets uh, at around 15 or so average. Mm. So, um, and then on the batting side for Sri Lanka uh, in the first test, I mean, Karuna Ratna mm. made a big hundred. I think 186. Yeah, which I think was the you know the key batting performance in that test match. Um, and then the other standout player, I think the, the newcomer, Melinda Sirawardena, had a very good series, of, an excellent debut series, in fact, with both bat and ball, uh, getting seven wickets uh, for about an average of about 17, and then scoring uh, you know several useful innings, including uh, I think it was a 37 in the uh, in the second test. Mm. So you know, those were kind of the, some of the standout players from the Sri Lankan side. Um, on the West Indies side, as I mentioned, I think you know, Warrikan was one of the few bright spots. Yeah, there really was nothing much to write home about on, on the batting side. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think Darren Bravo made a couple of fifties, and he was probably the the steadiest batsman. Uh, Blackwood made one, I think was it a ninety odd? Yeah, yeah, and he, he you know, he's, he's he seems to play well on occasion. I saw him do very well against England in one innings in Barbados earlier in the year. But uh, he's lacking consistency, you know, that's that's the issue, I think, uh, not just with him, but probably with the whole West Indies batting lineup at the moment. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Were you, um, obviously, <clears throat> there was a great big, two great big holes in the uh, Sri Lankan batting lineup in, with uh, the retirements of uh, Sagakara and uh, Jaya Wardena. Um, particularly Chandabal, do you, do you think he's sort of like gone up a level this year? I think so. I think uh, he has produced some very good innings this year. That memorable one in goal against India, that mm. 100, I think, stands out. Yeah. But I don't think he'll be as consistent as, you know, Sangakar or, or, or Joy Wardena. He seems doesn't seem to have that um, no. steadiness about him. He's certainly a very exciting, dynamic player. Um, but I don't know if he'll be a consistent run-getter. The, the, you know, that's really like I was hoping for. However, I, th- I think he will play in all formats, and I think he will definitely be a, a you know, a strong uh, uh, performer for Sri Lanka in the future. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he's, it, as you said, he scored that hundred against India earlier this season, which was quite exceptional, and he put on that very large stand in the in the first test, um, which really knocked the, the stuffing out of West Indies. They were yeah, they lost lost by an innings. Um, the second test was on paper more more competitive, uh, but two innings of 200 from Sri Lanka proved too much for the West Indies, uh, who could you know, barely get to about 160, 170. That's right, yeah. I think um, the, it was certainly a closer test match. I mean, even coming into the last day, West Indies had a, had a chance of victory, mm. but oh, they were just one wicket down, you know, chasing 200 odd. But they could not string partnerships together. I don't even remember if West Indies had one fifty run stand in the whole. In the whole <laughs> I'd exactly. have to check my scorecard. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean they uh, really were not consistent enough. I think um, you know Bradley was was a little disappointing. Didn't really perform. No. Baddies, you know, and I think uh, the rest of the batting as well. I mean Samuels was was a major disappointment, wasn't he? Uh, in the Test yeah. series, he, he did get into form later in the shorter formats, but he didn't score anything in the test matches. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was disappointing from a West Indies perspective because I think they had a real chance of, uh, of victory in that second test. I think so. I think that if they'd have come away uh, from Sri Lanka with a, with a drawn series, uh, that would have been a, a, a triumph. Um, but the, 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 
And I don't think it was just the sort of poor form shown by several of the players, but some of the shot selection, really. I mean, I particularly remember one almighty slog by Ramdin, which just, I was holding my head in my hands as he was bowled. It was just, I don't know, there, there, there was seemed to be a lot of brainless cricket played by the West Indies. Yes, you know, I think uh, the future for the West Indies test team does not look very bright, to, you know, to put it mildly. I mean, of course, they're coming up. Uh, to, you know, in a, for a series against Australia, and I fear the worst, uh, you know, given that they've picked exactly the same side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that they have many choices these days, but, you know, with some of their most experienced players not wanting to play test cricket, I really don't know what options they have. Um, yeah. well, although they... I think it, they did show in the shorter formats that when they did bring some experience back, they were clearly more competitive, mm. you know. Yeah, uh, no, and, and that's a good point. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at the... Uh... The shorter format games in a moment, but it's interesting again the uh, the perception that missing some of the older players. Uh, I've been reading a lot of the uh, Australian press ahead of West Indies visit there, and with Australia seeming to have got their mojo back in the uh, last test and a half against New Zealand. Certainly, the the batting form of David Warner um, been very impressive. And it, you, it's difficult to see anything other than a West Indies thrashing when they're out there. But a lot of the, the papers in Australia are talking in terms of the West Indies are going to be so weak because they're missing these key players, the likes of Gale, Bravo, Pollard. It disappoints me, though, that internationally the press still hasn't got a, a handle on those players. Bravo hasn't played a test match. In, hasn't played, He's barely played a first-class game in five years. I think he's played one. Gale has opted, is getting older and has opted repeatedly out of first-class cricket. And Pollard, um, even when he was available to play Test cricket for West Indies, was never picked for them anyway. wasn't deemed to be good enough in the uh, in the first-class arena. Right, um, but I think the perception is that you know, these players have done so well in, in the shorter formats that that uh, you know that can possibly be translated into some kind of form yeah. in, in Test matches. I mean, given given how poorly the that's true. Because they can't do any worse. No, that, that 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 that's true, and it is uh, as I say, it's disappointing with with the replacements, as it were, do, doing so poorly. That there is this feeling that uh, they would somehow be improved by those other guys. But as we say, um, that's not not to be. Um, the one day internationals, which equally uh, those guys weren't available for. Um, again, West Indies. Uh, perhaps a little unlucky with some of the rain interruptions. Uh, that yeah. might might be said. Yeah, all three games were affected by rain, and all three were decided by the back with Lewis Method. If I recall, I the first game was twenty six overs aside, the second mm. game thirty eight, and the third game thirty six. So yeah, I think the rain did play a role. Uh, particularly, I, I think the, the first ODI, I think the West Indies came very close to winning. Yeah.
rest of these, in my view anyway, would certainly have been strengthened with uh, with Dwayne Bravo and Ben Ren fallout in the lineup. You know, and yeah. I, I'm not sure if that's universally shared, but I I think that that experience would have would have certainly helped. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I mean, that one they haven't so much opted out of has been been dropped. Um, yeah, it's well documented, and perhaps this is not the form for us to go over and over that one. That one again, it's that's just the case. They're not there, and their experienced cricketers and probably would strengthen the side. Conversely, in the one-day internationals to the test matches, I felt generally West Indies batted quite well, um, particularly the difficulties. Uh, we, we saw flashes of excellence from the likes of Johnson Charles and, and right. others. Um, but I did think that their bowling, and particularly the intelligence of their bowling, particularly their length, I thought was woeful. Yes, I think the bowling was really the, 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 the weak point for the West Indies in the, in the, in the one-day series. I mean, like you said, uh, batting showed some, some spark. I mean, the, the, I think Charles played a couple of very good innings, um, Samuels, besides the century, I think he made a 60 in another game. And, you know, I think uh, from the Sri Lankan side as well, uh, what was encouraging was like a couple of the batsmen who didn't do so well in the Test Series actually uh, performed in the, the one-day internationals. I mean, Thirumana, who was actually dropped after his um, failure in the first Test, came back well in the one-day internationals and uh, made some runs. And then Kusal Pereira, of course, who... Who kept well in the Test series but didn't score many runs? Mm-hmm. Really, you know, batted very consistently in the, in the, in the one-day matches. So um, I think for, for Sri Lanka uh, on the bowling side too, I think Lasit Malinga bowled yeah. very well, and you know it was a good return to form for him. So there were some encouraging signs for Sri Lanka, but uh, not so much for the West Indies, I'm afraid. I, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I. I, I, I I've, I really did think that uh, Jerome Taylor's bowling seemed to have taken a major backward step when he came back into the international arena um, a year or two ago. He seemed to have recaptured his sharpness and he was impressive. Um, and he looked, he really, to me, had looked as though he'd fallen away. Roach has fallen away some time ago and still looked fallen away to me in the, the games that he played, in uh, the Test Series especially. Um, but Taylor was a disappointment, and I'm afraid to say uh, Ravi Rampal, who had a, had a recall, uh, he was rather upset a year ago to be left out of the the, the West Indies international setup, and uh, supposedly went away to really really work on his fitness. He looked to me as though he'd come back an even bigger boy than he was when he last played for the West Indies. Right, right. Um, although I think he got a few wickets, didn't he? And um, maybe it was the uh... The last T20, I'm thinking of now, but in the one-day matches, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he didn't look particularly fit or, or effective. Uh, and of course, uh, Narayan, uh, you know, well, yeah, made a comeback, and you know, he's now he's been called again for for throwing, which is you know obviously going to be a serious hindrance to his uh, future career. Yeah, well, it, it, that's actually something that I'd be very interested in in your take on that. Um, it, it, potentially, it, yet again, he's he's been he's been called. Is 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 it too extreme to say that that, that Narine's career may well be over? I suspect so. You know, I think you know he's probably you know focusing you know more increasingly more on the on the IPL now. I mean, I, I don't know what the what the future holds. I think maybe the Australians. You know, they are playing some 
one-day matches in Australia, aren't they, after mm. the, the Test Series? Perhaps that may, might be the last throw of the dice for him. You know? <laughs> yeah. The last show of the cricket ball. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's... It, 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 it's, a, it's a sensitive subject. There's been a lot said, a lot written in the last year or two about... Um, what well, it seems to have been a clamp down on on chucking or perceived chucking. There's those that feel there should be more laxity uh, shown towards bowlers and the 15 degrees of tolerance, and perhaps even more. And say that it's it's a shame to lose the likes of Ajmal out of the game. There's even the likes of Andy Roberts, though, uh, who uh, was very very outspoken last week um, in condemnation of the banning of Narayan. Not that he doesn't feel Narayan isn't a chucker. He feels there's many of them in the game. He said the same about Shane Shillingford when, when he was banned, but feels that this is, that they should have, the ICC should have clamped down all those years ago on, uh, on particularly on Murilithran. Yeah. Well, I, I, my own view is, is that, you know, it's become such a, a batsman's game now that I, I think bowlers need to be given a little more leeway personally. And I, I think that you know Narayan shouldn't be allowed to you know to, to continue p- p- bowling he's such a you know dynamic uh, yeah. spinner particularly in, you know in the shorter formats uh, I think in, in, in test cricket as well it would be great to have him back in, in the West Indies side but um, yeah I, I think probably I would agree more with Andy Roberts line of thinking there mm. uh, I, I do think the game is you know increasingly unbalanced in terms of the, uh, the bat and ball equation there yeah he, um, it's all. It's always a a, a difficult subject um, uh, with Muralithran's bowling. He was unquestionably a great, great bowler. But it, there always seems to me to be if people are putting together an all-time world team, for example, they seem to sort of right. Shane Warne's definitely in and skate past Muralithran as though well, we can't really include him because there's a question mark over his action. I mean, is that is that fair? Is that dreadfully unfair? I personally think it's unfair. I mean, you know, given his his, his records, he actually, I think, on almost every uh, statistic, he out outdoes Shane Warne. You know, mm. from the number of wickets, you know, he got up to eight hundred. You know, in the end, uh, uh, for I think his Test average, his uh, you know his number of fifers and tenfers and so forth. I think on every level, he you know he he's outdone Shane Warne. So. Um, I, I do think it's unfair that that has stained his career, and, um, and like I said, I, I personally feel that bowlers should be given a little more leeway, and maybe 15 degrees is is, is, is not enough, you know. Mm. Um, but that's that's my own view. Yeah. Although I think Shane Warne is, is a wonderful cricketer as well, but oh. uh, you know, no doubt. But I, I do think that uh, Murali has not gotten the respect and uh, and uh, respect he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I mean, I confess that I'm uh, a, a, a real dyed in the wall. Would want to see no tolerance whatsoever um, on, on bowlers and and anything that's even vaguely um, doubtful. I'd, I'd want to see outlawed. But that's that's just me. I would equally though wish that it wasn't such a predominantly batsman's game, and would want to see a balance. But I, I wouldn't want to see a balance by allowing um, more flexibility in bowling actions. But let's let's move on from that. We talked about Shane Warne and Muralithran. We are going to talk a little bit about the uh, American games in just a moment. But let's just let's just finish up. We haven't quite finished up this tour uh, by looking at the the last two games, the the two twenty twenty games when the guys like. Uh, Dwayne Bravo did return and did make an impact. 
clearly, yes. I think the uh, the two games. Of the first one, of course, was uh, was more one sided. I think Sri Lanka, I think, scored the highest ever T20 international score. Yeah. On the island, they only got two two fifteen, and the West Indies really, you know, were not able to to come very close to that. But the second game, I felt uh, the West Indies were sort of back in their in their T uh, Twenty sort of form and uh, and clearly I think Dwayne Bravo was, was the star of that game you know with bat and ball yeah um, so uh, and I think Pollard as well you know had a relatively uh, had a reasonably good series um, mm. so those two clearly had an impact uh, and I think generally the West Indies seemed more vibrant and sort of comfortable in the, in the, in the T20 format which is increasingly the format that's you know, played in the in the, in the Caribbean and then which draws the crowds and so forth. So yeah. clearly, that's uh, their their main strength. And I still think you know, Western is at full strength should do very well in the, in the in the World Cup next year. I mean, you've got of course a few key players still missing from this lineup uh, with uh, you know Chris Gale yeah. out with injury, and then uh, Samuel Budry, who's the number one rated T Twenty bowler in the world. Uh, you know. Yeah. Wasn't I was, I was going to ask you in terms of that you, you indicate there that particularly in those 2020 games they looked um, much more like a, a cohesive unit and a, and a, and a team um, is that a reflection on Jason Holder's captaincy opposed to Darren Sammy's in the 2020s I mean, what was your general impression of Jason Holder's captaincy um, in the games in which he did lead the side well frankly I wasn't all that impressed I think he you know he's still very young and uh doesn't really have the experience, I think, to be captaining a, a, a test side, in my view. Hmm. Um, I think the T20 performance, uh, Darren Sammy clearly, you know, has had a lot of experience in that in the role as T20 captain, and I think he just has a, had a lot more experience around him too, with you know players like Bravo and Pollard and so forth. Yeah. Whereas I think in the test team, there really was nobody to kind of Turns advise Holder. It seemed to me, and you know, I think uh, that clearly was a. Uh, was a was a was a problem. Mm. Uh, I, I really do think that the whole you know Holder's been sort of thrust into a, a very difficult role you know at such a young age. Mm. And personally, I would have given uh, given him more time to to mature as a as a player before giving him the captaincy. Mm. But let's see how it goes in Australia. I mean, that's going to be a, a big test for him. I fear the worst. I like yeah. Jason Holder. And I think he's uh, got a lot of potential. But um, I mean, perhaps you're right with the uh, that it was perhaps a little bit too much too early. I mean, within that, we've we've skipped past and uh, overlooked the 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 odd little hiatus with uh, with Samuels in charge while while Holder was banned. Um, ironically, Samuels was then unbanned from bowling, which was uh, uh, all a bit silly uh, from the ICC. Um, but that was that was. That all seemed rather odd. Sam, I was rather surprised that Samuels was made captain. I was also rather surprised that uh, Ramdin wasn't playing in that game. Yes, I couldn't quite make 
he has no tales of it either. I mean, there was no official vice captain name before the series, so mm. uh, which was odd. Um, and I'm not sure what how the, I'm not sure how they're treating Ramden these days. He seems to be sort of in and out, and he didn't have a particularly good tour overall. But I, I still think he's probably the best bet for you know for the keeper position in in, in possibly in all the formats. You know, I don't really. Yeah. You know, see uh, see a better prospect at the moment. No, I, I, I entirely agree with you. I don't always, as I alluded to earlier with some of the shots he played, I don't always think that Dinesh Remdin's uh, brain works, but I think his hands and feet move pretty well. He's still the best keeper I've seen in the Caribbean in uh, the last last five years. And even though he's failing with the bat, he is still potentially uh, a better bat than, than Dowrich and, and others who've been... Put up to about a four in a test match. Um, if they were both playing for uh, a regional side, if they were both, for example, playing for Trinidad and Tobago, Rampton would be batting a lot higher than Dowrich. Um, but I do. There is a feeling in the Caribbean that uh, his card has been marked. Still going back to the uh, events in India just over a year ago. Right. But good to see Phil Simmons being reinstated as coach. That was some some positive news, I think, for the West Indies. And uh, by heavens, do they, do they need some? Um, but you never know. I mean, they've got to start somewhere. Perhaps we will see some uh, uplift in Australia. Um, but as I say, I fear the worst. Enough of the West Indies. Uh, I understand that. Uh, was it your son went to see Sashin and Shane play the other day? Yes, he went up to New York. You know, drove up. You know, five hours with some friends, and I think it actually it was a. A much more successful series than than I was anticipating. Mm. Uh, I think there were about a hundred thousand people who saw the three games mm. and comfortably outdid you know the the audiences at all of the test matches that were going on in places like <laughs> and, uh, you know Brisbane and other cities. So you know in the U.S. of all places uh, you know produced some some very good crowds. You know as to the future. I, I think it was successful enough that they're thinking of making this an annual series and perhaps expanding it from three games to five right. or six games next year. And you know, it drew mostly expat crowds, primarily from the subcontinent. You yeah. Know, but, uh, and it was really a series that sort of drew on sort of nostalgia for yeah. great cricket of the '90s and you know the last decade and so forth. But nevertheless, I, some of the um, the other things that went on besides the cricket in the, the coaching clinics at each of the cities they mm. played in and some of the media appearances, you know, got cricket into some of the mainstream press, you know, for the first time in ages. And I do think, you know, it's, it's a venture that needs to be supported. And I think with the kind of sponsors they got, you know, some major banks, like, you know, and uh, other companies, I think it does have a future and possibly it could be expanded into other areas of the world where, where cricket, you know, needs to be, uh, you know, uh, pushed more places like Hong Kong and Singapore and, and uh, yeah. Canada and so forth. So overall, I think it was a, a very successful series. Of course, the other thing that surprised me was many of the cricketers, despite their ages, you know, seem to be performing reasonably well. I was surprised yeah. how, for example, Shoei Bhaktabu came in New York. And then uh, Wazim Akram, I think he's close to 50, but he's still, you know, bustling in with his usual <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> and on, on, I think from the West Indian perspective, it was the, um, both Walsh and Ambrose, you know, showed their age a bit. I think they were probably 
the two oldest players on display actually among yeah. twenty nine players uh, who played in the series. And Lara played a couple of games, didn't really score very much. Uh, but some of the other cricketers, uh, well, Sachin played well. Uh, Sangakara was the star of the series, though he's the most recently retired. Yeah. I think clearly should still be playing Test cricket. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I beg to come kind of back in the twenty twenty World Cup. John T. Rhodes, who hasn't played for Donkey's years. Sure, yeah, he'd be, he looked very, very uh, good. Of course, you know, his fielding was, was stellar as usual. Yeah. So all in all, it was a, a fairly entertaining series. The best game was the one last night, actually, which I stayed up to watch, uh, right. the one in Los Angeles, which went down to the last over. Uh, otherwise, the I mean, Shane Warne's team, you know, won all of the three games, and the teams were perhaps not quite balanced right. Yeah, they could maybe do a better job with you know making the sides more even. <laughs> but all in all, I think it was a you know a successful venture, and I think you know it, there's certainly um, uh, you know a lot of scope for you know development for exploiting the talents of some of the great players that have recently retired. You know? yeah. So you know they're, they're calling it the the Harlem Globetrotters of <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I, I confess, I, I think it was when I was talking to you that I, I, I feared that the whole thing was going to be a white elephant. Um, shows my, my ignorance of the, uh, the extent of the power of Sashin. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think the, um, the crowds that came out too, given the high ticket prices, was actually quite surprising, really. Mm. But again, you know, the expat communities in some of these cities are economically some of the most, um, you know. Uh, influential and so that certainly helped. I think there were very few people who didn't know the game who sort of showed up, you know, yeah. which, you know, in terms of globalizing the game and making yeah. it popular in America, you know, that's clearly, uh, you know, not going to do the trick. But um, I do think that uh, having observed cricket in the US now for the last 30, 40 years, uh, this is the time when, you know, the, the most progress has been made. I mean, this cricket is kind of getting into the schools now and uh, it's certainly becoming you know, better known than, you know, 15 million fans, they say, in the U.S., and 200,000 active players, which is more than in a lot of the other, you know, even, you know, test-playing countries. So mm. I think you, you could see the, the U.S. In, in, uh, in, certainly in the shorter formats, you know, uh, get onto the international stage. I mean, they nearly made it to the T20 qualifiers this year, but uh, I think with, with the better organization and I think with some of the... Um, the camps that have been conducted recently. I know Courtney Walsh was involved in Indianapolis recently in a, in a cricket camp that resulted in a team that will play in the Sajikov 50-over tournament in the Caribbean That's right. early next year. So those kind of initiatives, I think, will help the U.S. to you know become, hopefully, a, a force in international cricket in the years to come. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see if it, if there's something that can be built upon there and um, and some, some, some growth... Um, uh, it'd be it'd be good to to widen the game and and to widen its audience. And uh, I mean, I, I confess personally, I wasn't particularly engaged by the games. I find I don't enjoy watching sport where one guy bowls a friendly bouncer to another and they all stand around laughing. It just takes the competitive edge off it for me. But uh, um, hey, it's somewhere to start. And uh, if it engaged the audience and uh, got the coverage, and as you say, those clinics as well, then it was a, a very important and worthwhile enterprise. 
Yes, and so you know, next year if they do come back, I'll, I'll make an effort to get out and actually see one of the games live. I think. Yeah, no, wonderful. Well, I'm I'm hoping to uh, come to North America uh, this sort of time next year. Perhaps I'll try and uh, coincide it to uh, see a game in uh, the USA. I think they're also talking about potentially taking it to Canada at some stage, aren't they? Well, yes, Canada would be the next obvious place to go. Um, you know, they they have tried, I think, uh, to promote cricket before in places like you know Toronto, oh, where there's a fairly big base for, for cricket already. Yeah. But I think this would certainly draw a good audience in, in Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver and places like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to finish up, we'll we'll go back to uh, West Indies, Sri Lanka, or specifically Sri Lanka. Um, we talked about the. Uh, well, 2020 competition coming up. I know that before the uh, before the series, I said to you that I reminded you that uh, uh, Sri Lanka are the world champions in that format, and you quite rightly reminded me that they don't have Jai Warden and Sangakara anymore. Uh, I know the series was one-one, but do you feel that Sri Lanka have got uh, uh, the chance to be able to defend their uh, their trophy? I think they have a, a reasonable chance. Uh, I think they have. Not quite replaced Sangakara and Jaiwodhana yet, and that's that's going to be a you know Herculean task. But they have you know come up with a few quite promising new players. I think you know I mentioned Melinda Sirwadhana, you know, who performed very well with bat and ball. I think Kusal Pereira has really come on strong as as a as a keeper and a very dynamic uh, opening batsman. Dilshan is still going strong as an opening bat too, yes. and uh, Herat is bowling extremely well. So with those key players, you know, bringing Chandimal into the mix, yeah, was uh, Angelo Matthews. Don't forget, you know, he's a stellar yes. performer with uh, not so much with bat and ball, just most mostly with his batting and fielding these days. Yeah. So all in all, I think Sri Lanka does have the firepower to to repeat as champions. Hmm. However, I think there will be a, a lot of competition from from other sides. I think uh, the West Indies. Um, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. There are a number of teams. You know, England has, has improved a lot in the shorter format. So I, I think it'll be a very competitive uh, World Cup. Mm. Uh, it'd, it'd be interesting right. to see after what you commented upon with uh, uh, the West Indies 2020 side, with that uh, that extra sense of them being more team-like, let's put it that way, whether that uh, there's players within that side when they come to that tournament who just feel they've got that extra bit to prove. Right. For the sake of West Indies cricket, that uh, they they perform well and, and bring some pride back to the Caribbean, because I think you know with the longer formats, as, you, as we discussed, it does not look very bright. And of course, with the 50 overs now, the West Indies is not qualified for the no. Champions Trophy, which is a major blow. But I think in the short format now, um, one must hope that the West Indies will continue to thrive and uh, perform well together. Yeah, yeah. Well, we both agree on that. Um... Let's keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Aruna, thank you ever so much for uh, uh, spending some time to chat with me. Oh, I enjoyed it very much. All right. All the very best, then. Thank you. This has been the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. It's been an extra show where I've been chatting to Aruna Amathana Yagam uh, from Sri Lanka, or my Sri Lankan correspondent. He's actually based in the USA. And we've been looking back at uh, the tour of Sri Lanka by the West Indies, which uh, ended in victory for the West Indies. Well, one match, the last match, anyway. I hope you can join us again uh, next time. Goodbye.